Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. children's pastor here. Um, I'm usually teaching tiny people, but every once in a while they let me come out and hang with the big kids, and so I'm pumped to be here today. Uh, If you've been with us through the summer, we have been talking about spiritual gifts, and today we're talking about evangelism. So when you hear the word evangelism, it's a very churchy word, right? Like we use it a lot, and you can have a few reactions to that word. Some of us might be like, this is my jam, I love this. And for other people, it might be a word that creates some like tension and some discomfort and some maybe not so fun memories because of really well-intentioned people, but some poor experiences in the name of evangelism. So. I'm going to be really honest. This was really hard for me to write. Jonathan was like, evangelism, it's going to be great. And I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh, this is like huge. I'm like, we could go this way, we could go this way. And so I kept trying to make it look a certain way. And God was so kind. And what I realized is he just started to kind of debunk some some myths and some untruths that I'd picked up about what evangelism should look like, when in reality, um, it's far more simple than I make it to be. And so um, today, if you're one of those people who has experienced like pain or heartache through um, the name of evangelism, I just want to say that's not the Father's heart for you or for us as a family. And um, if you have that gift, we're really thankful because the church needs people who go out and tell people about our King. And so it was just so fitting that we lifted high the name of Jesus today. Like that's it. There's something that changes in us when we lift high the name of Jesus. That's all we did. We just gave him glory where glory is due. And then you feel things shift. Like some, it does something to us. And so my invitation to us today is to behold Jesus. Like the invitation is to come and see. So as I was praying about what to do, I sought counsel. I went to, my grandfather is this like incredible evangelist. He has like such high respect in my book. I was like, grandpa, what do I talk about? And I was like, what do we, how do I teach people to like share about Jesus? And he said, it's not sharing, Hayden. It is sharing your story, but it's an invitation into the presence of the living King. And that just was like, oh, that's different. That's different than just telling someone about my my story. My story should be an open invitation into come and look at this man who changed everything. And so when we talk about spiritual gifts, I grew up in the church and I was like, where can I find these? I'm all about like, you know, personality tests. How are people wired? I love how God designed his people really specifically and uniquely. And so just for context, so you know where we're getting the gifts that we've been teaching on recently, it's in Ephesians 4 and it's verses 11 through 13. I just want to read them to you and then we'll get into the meat of what we're talking about today. So 
it says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. So church, this is for us. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the, the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So equip the church and build up the church. So if this is your primary role, this is for you today. But even if it's not your main gifting, this is also for you. So I think whenever I thought of evangelism, I'm like, Billy Graham, missionaries, like they're sent out. It's awesome. And Lord was like, this is an invitation for all of my kids because what we have, we get to give away. So this isn't just for those out there who have that anointing. I'm really thankful for them because they do awesome things. Um, but this is also for us. And I just don't, I don't want this to become an excuse in my life. The Lord really convicted me. He said, this isn't just for other people out there. You're invited in and I, I'm asking you to behold me in such a way that other people want to come feast on my life through what they see in you. And so um, as I began to pray about it and kind of grapple with, well, what's, what is usually the thing that gets in the way? Like, what are the things that we stop and say, oh, well, actually, I can't do that because, or, well, that's for other people, right? So the things that it always comes down to is identity. And as a family staff, it's been a lot of fun because the last few weeks we've been talking about how do we put identity into our kids from birth all the way through until they're 18 and they leave this place so that they go into the world knowing that they're known, that they know who their God is and they know who they belong to and what that means for their lives. And the Lord said, it's always just a misunderstanding of who I am to you that keeps you from walking forward in courage and in confidence. And so I found this quote by Bill Johnson that I loved and it says, evangelism in its purest form is just the overflow of worship. Like our call as believers, as evangelists, is to go into the world is just overflow. To sit in a secret place, to be with Jesus and to be reminded of who he is so that then the overflow of our lives is the invitation to come and see. So um, just as I was studying the scriptures, two really stuck out to me um, that as believers, this is what we have. And in Matthew 28, 18, I'd read this multiple times before it's God, you know, Jesus saying, hey, disciples, go into all the world, make disciples. But what I hadn't realized before is it's just sandwiched with like identity. He says, I have given you all authority on heaven and on earth. It's mine. And then Romans 1.16 talks about like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is God's power at work in me, saving all those who would believe. So he's saying, go into all the world. I've given you all authority. But when you go, it's my power. It's my power at work inside of you. And then he reminds them, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So when he asks us to do this, he's not saying, go and work your hardest, go strive, earn, perform. That's not what he's asking of us. He's saying, sit with me, receive from me, and then my power inside of you will be overflowed to the people around you. And there's opportunities everywhere. Just open your eyes to see, right? And then 2 Timothy 2 Paul's writing to Timothy, and um, he just says, you've heard what I've taught, and they've been confirmed by many reliable witnesses, so now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So we're all here because somebody was an evangelist to us to some degree. Somebody shared the good news of who Jesus was 
and invited us into an encounter with the living God. And so that's all that this is. And I kept wanting to find a more complex way and detailed way to say, oh, here's the five steps. And there are tools, there are resources. There's lots of ways that, that we can equip you to do this. But it's far more simple than I think we like to make it because really elementary truths of God sometimes feel easier to overcomplicate. But really, it's just that invitation to come and see. So... What is it not? I just want to address this really quickly because I had a lot of um, ideas, like I said, about what this should look like or what I thought it would look like. And in reality, it's not making people believe. None of us believed a point because we were argued or forced into it <laughs> enough. Like, and I'm stubborn enough where I'm like, actually, no thanks. I don't want that. Thank you for trying to prove your point. Um, and none of us, you know, wanted to follow Jesus because we were Christianized, you know, to make it look like other people without like actual heart change. And it's not about outcomes. This isn't a sermon about how we make like this church a bigger church. We want people through these doors because we want them to encounter Jesus, but it's not about how much we can like measure our outcomes. It's about building the family of Christ because he's the best news ever. That's it. And so I know in culture today, like religion and all these ideologies feel really divisive, but this is an invitation into relationship. And when you come to someone with an invitation to what you've tasted and seen, you can't, it's not an argument. It's just an, it's an opportunity, the seat at the table. And so the text we're going to dive into today is um, the woman at the well. I was uh, just studying, and it's in John 4 if you want to turn to it in your Bibles, and we'll be reading through scriptures um, 6 through 30. And I w I've read this story, again, it's so familiar, but the Lord just revealed a lot of really beautiful things in it as I was going back through it. So I'll read through it and kind of pause a few times just to give some kind of commentary of what I saw God pointing out. And I never thought about this woman as an evangelist until now. I wouldn't have thought about, I thought about her story as being this really powerful encounter with Jesus, but she was an evangelist to the Samaritan community, which is pretty awesome. So um, Jesus and his disciples are traveling uh, through and they stop in Samaria, which they're probably like, hold up, Jesus, we're not friends. Why are, the Jew Why are we Jewish folks like traveling through here? I don't understand. And he sends them into town to go get food and he's sitting at the well. And this is where the story picks up. So it says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I love the humanity in this next line where she says, but you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. And where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? She's talking to the creator of the universe, and she's like, who do you think you are? <laughs> and if I'm Jesus, I'm like, I have all authority and power on earth. You know, I'm like, I'm going to make you believe. But he's so kind. And he continues in this dialogue with her, and then he says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And I love her, like she's so hungry. And she says, please sir, give me this water. 
then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Still silly. Have you ever, you know, when you're sharing your life and your story with people who aren't believers and you're trying to explain to them like the mysteries of God, you're always met with a little bit of like, wait a second, there's this guy and you can't see him, wait a minute. You know, there's just this like misunderstanding and there's a little bit of like humanity in it, which I love that Jesus isn't like frustrated. He's not like trying to force like, you know, he doesn't force this relationship on her. He just keeps revealing himself over and over again. And then she said, then he says, go and get your husband. And he, she said, I don't have a husband. You're right. Jesus says, you don't have a husband for you've had five. And you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And her response really stopped me in my tracks because how Jesus approached this woman, it wasn't in con- like condemnation or shame. When he brings up the fact that she, doesn't, she isn't living with her husband, that she's living with a man that's not her husband, it isn't to shame her into submission. It isn't to like point out her faults. It's to reveal more of himself to say, I see you and I know you. And yet my invitation still stands because I have something better. Like you are longing and looking for something more. And you can tell, please, sir, give me this water. And then she even responds. I love this. She's like, you're clearly a prophet. So she keeps asking questions. Tell me why you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at this mountain where our ancestors worshiped. And then he says, like, you're, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, and the Jews know more than you, essentially. And this is, the salvation's going to come through the, tr- the Jewish folks, but the, the people who will worship won't have to worry about worshiping on this mountain or in temples or anywhere because God is looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth, because God is spirit and truth. And then as he's explaining more of these things to her, she says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then he says, I'm the Messiah. And just as he reveals himself, himself to her, the disciples walk up. And I love that none of them had the guts to be like, what are you doing? What do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? And then the woman leaves her water jar beside the well, ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So people came streaming from the village to see him. And in this text, I, I just think about if I'm her, I put myself in her shoes. The shame that I was feeling culturally of our differences, wondering why is this man talking to me? How does he know all this about my life? And then he reveals himself to her. And she had every right not to go back and share exactly what had happened to her because if she had any inkling of shame or guilt or fear, there's no way she's going in freedom. There's no way she's going back to all those people and saying, come and see this. But what he, she had just happened, all she had, she had no knowledge of the Torah. She didn't have any Jewish like, tradition. She was not a woman of high standard or class like in the culture's eyes. All she had was her story and an encounter with Jesus. I was one way and then I was another, and the only thing in between is this man named Jesus. And what I want us to look at in this is that a lot of times we're like, well, I don't know enough scripture, or I don't have enough understanding about this concept of God, or what if they ask this question that I don't understand? That's okay. Evangelism is just sharing our story and saying, look, I met this man named Jesus, and everything changed after that. I met this man who healed me, who comforts me, who redeems me. And not just the first time that we tasted his love, not just the first time that we turned and recognized love looking at us, but every moment after that. We have a lifetime and a history of stories of God's faithfulness. And every time, you guys ever have something that happens to you that like, oh my gosh, God, you just met me. Your first reaction is just to go and to go tell people, you're like, look, listen to what God just did. This is amazing. And that's all it takes. 
we don't have to have the right answers. We don't have to know all the answers to the right questions or have a theology degree or you know, have the specific anointing on our lives. You could be a stay-at-home mom and it be the mom in the pickup line that you see every week who is thirsting for hope. You could be a business leader and it's someone that you're coworkers with or that you are leading, that you're in charge of, that you just see like, man, they really need the hope of Jesus. And all it takes is us asking God, what is already in front of me? What is already in front of me that you want me to see that I've just been blind to? Or maybe we've been numb. Maybe we've forgotten our first love. It's so easy by like the chaos of the world when you have like kids growing up and you're parenting and you're trying to do marriage and all these things in life. It's easy just to get distracted and to forget that the Lord has like given us gifts to bear witness to the earth of his glory and his goodness and his kingdom here now in us. And so I also, I went through the story of the disciples as well. And I love, I love as Jesus goes, like he's just on his way to do ministry. He's just walking through cities and towns and obviously he's God in flesh. So he had some intention and some desire and probably knew what was going to happen, right? But I love the, um, the account of when he's called the disciples. And um, I'm just going to read this one as well. And then we'll look at what Jesus, what we have to learn from Jesus and then what we have to learn from these people who responded. So... In John 1, 40, it says, Andrew, Simon's, who's now called Peter's brother, went to go find him and said, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And Jesus looks at Simon and says, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Peter. And then the next day they're in Galilee and he finds Peter and he sa- or Philip and he says, Philip, come follow me. And immediately Philip goes, gets Nathaniel. He says, Nathaniel, uh, <laughs> I love this. He says, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathaniel responds, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And I'd heard that quote, but I'm like, man, we have people who I know, they, they have been told about Jesus all the time. They're like, is he really good? Like Jesus, seriously? And how often we're met with that speculation because it's like, yeah, they haven't tasted and seen for themselves. And so all Philip says to him is, come and see for yourself. Just come and see for yourself. And then he approaches Jesus and he says, here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Nathanael asked, how do you know about me? Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. In both these stories, I love that the invitation is just come and see for yourself. And that's what our lives are meant to be. And so as I looked at Jesus, he's the perfect example of what evangelism should look like. And then I love people's responses, but I love that Jesus is just going as he went, as he walked on the earth, as he was doing his ministry, as he engaged with people, he saw them. He met them where they were at. He wasn't speaking in such a way, like he spoke in parables and taught in that way, but he wasn't meeting that woman in a way where he felt lofty and unapproachable. He was humble and gentle in spirit. And he just approached her in kindness and kept revealing more of his heart towards her through the way that he engaged with her. And he asked questions. And then you see people come up to Jesus during his ministry and he just asked, what do you want? What are you actually looking for? Because what people are looking for is actually rooted in a love that lasts. Like that's what they're looking for. And so as I was looking at this, I just said, Jesus, he walked with people. He listened to them. He asked them questions. He sought their need. But then really he just revealed himself to them. And then after they had an experience with Jesus, they left and were never the same. And then I look at the people's response and all they had was their stories. They had their stories. Now the disciples had a knowledge. They were anticipating the coming of the Messiah, but he was a lot different than they expected. 
And I think the Jesus that this world needs is a lot different than they expect. Our friends who aren't in Jesus, the people who are in this world that are hungry and thirsty, they're looking for something better. They're looking for hope. And you can see it everywhere. I mean, like the fall and like what we're experiencing as a culture is really, really, really evidence of we need a love that we can rely on. And that's what people are looking for. And we have it. Like we have the key. We have the secret. And I just, I just, I was just praying about this. I just felt like the Lord was like, all I want is your heart. That's it. And as you sit with me and as you remain in me, my love will overflow more and more in you. And then you can't help. When you love something, okay, when you love something, what do you do? You talk about it. You can't help but share it with people. I was, this is a silly example, but the Lord like really highlighted it to me. Top Gun 2. How many people have seen that? Literally, yeah, everyone, right? And we know the storyline. Like we saw Top Gun 1. Everyone was hyped about it. It came back out. And what did everyone do after they saw it? You got to go watch it. Like, ah, everyone knows what happens, right? Like we all know what's coming. But how often has the world heard about Jesus and probably know the story how often have they been invited into an encounter with the living God? It's different. You didn't love Top Gun 2 until you saw it. You could talk about it. You could relate about it. You could anticipate it. But you didn't know it until you experienced it. And that's all that evangelism is. Come and see. Come and see this man named Jesus. He loves you. He's for you. He's with you. He doesn't leave. He redeems everything. He restores all things. And even those things that you're ashamed of, He's got it. He's got it covered. That's it. And I wish I could overcomplicate it more because my brain works that way, but it's just not. It's just that simple. And as children of the King, we're meant to come like that with childlike faith and just say, God, I just want to look at you and then you do what you want to do. It's your power at work in me. It's your responsibility to save people. And so we, I just kind of thought through what, how do you know if you have this gift? Um, and even if you don't, like I said, whether your gift is encouragement or prophecy or teaching or leadership or hosting, whatever your gifts are, God intends to make himself known on the earth and glorify himself through what he's given you. And so use those gifts and ask God, where are the opportunities around me? And then also, if, you, if you're someone who naturally just loves to invite people into things, if you kind of have that personality marker where you're like, I can't wait to tell these people about this, or I have this new grill, I'm inviting everyone on the block to come over and try it out. Like, if that's your personality, you probably have the gift of evangelism. But I would just say, ask God. Like, if this stirs your heart today, if something in you is aching and is like, man, this is what I'm made for, ask, ask the Father, hey, is this what you've given me? And there's, I mean, there's spiritual gifts tests. There's things out there. There's resources that you can take. But the best litmus test is just saying, God, what have you fashioned my heart to just really stir for? What have you made me for on this earth? And how can I bring your glory to those around me? How can I help them taste and see the best love I've ever known? So um, I'm going to invite the van back up and our prayer team is going to come up as well. But the invitation for us today, I felt like was just, have you beheld him in a while? Like, have you sat and just beheld the king of kings? Like, have you looked at him? And if not, maybe we need to ask him to reawaken our first love. Maybe the invitation for you today is, God, I have forgotten my first love and I want to remember what it was like when I first knew you. 
And maybe there's those of us who have been praying for someone who isn't following Jesus for a really long time and we're exhausted and we're tired and we're sad and we need our hope rekindled for people who we have been praying for for a long time. Let our prayer team pray over you guys and with you guys for that person. Um, and maybe if you're out there and you're like, okay, this stirs my heart. I really want to get, you know, start becoming more faithful in this. I would encourage everyone actually just to like sit and write down five people that you know that aren't walking with Jesus. And begin just praying and saying, God, who have you put in my path every day as I go that you want me to use me as a tool for your kingdom? Our interactions aren't just coincidence. Like he gives us holy divine moments to bring life and truth and hope to the world around us. So just ask God, like, where are you wanting me to go? What are you wanting me to do? And how have you provided opportunities that are already there that I can just take advantage of? Because you're good and you're gonna handle it and I can just step into it. So I'm gonna pray over us and as we do, our prayer team will come up and if you'd like to get prayer today, they'll be down there, so. Father, we thank you that you are such a good gift giver and that you're so intentional about who you give your gifts to. Father, I thank you for those in this room who have the anointing of evangelism. God, I just pray that you would cultivate the soil of their hearts, that you would stir up rich affections for you, Father, and that you would just lead them and guide them in the way that you want them to use their gifts for your glory. And for those of us in the room who also have this invitation into this, God, whether we're encouragers, whether we're prophets, whether we're teachers, Jesus, would you just use us for your glory? Would you open our eyes to see who you've already put around us? Would you reveal yourself to us, Father, and renew our love for you? Would you awaken our hearts and minds, Christ Jesus, to your love and to your truth and to your life? And may we go forth into the world and just continue to let our lives be an open invitation to a seat at the table with you, Jesus. So I just bless this family, God. I bless the people in this room um, that you would just stir up rich affections for you in their hearts and minds, Jesus. So we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.